Seth has been popping up more and more and more frequently in Street Fighter V competitions as of late, naturally leading us to worry that the character might be overpowered and too easy to win with, but we're not exactly sure that's the case. In fact, Seth might actually be one of Street Fighter V's biggest achievements yet. Plus, Tokido switches to Urien and misses his shot at getting into Capcom Cup, a new Dalsim player is starting to turn heads, we're revisiting Street Fighter 4 to compare it to Street Fighter 5, and I have a new Raptors recommendation all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going? How are you doing on this lovely, uh, what is it, Wednesday morning? I'm doing pretty darn well. Uh, you know, Terry hasn't come by on his motorcycle and slapped me on the butt yet, but I'm kind of anticipating that happening at some point here in the near future. <laughs> I, I haven't read through the story yet, but I have checked out the... Uh, the butt smacking uh, sequence in question uh, can uh, like 10 second what happened there i don't know yet i mean that's pretty much it it's my and a couple other characters sitting at kula and um um i'm forgetting who the other one is but uh um anyway they're all sitting on like a bar stool like kind of like having lunch or having drinks or whatever and terry comes by on a motorcycle and like holds out his hand and slaps all three of them on the butt and like it is the most unbelievable thing like that's completely out of touch with like what's happening in our society like even five years ago this would have been bad but i mean i can't even believe this this got approved in 2020 and it looks like it looks like a team of people worked on this like you know there's voice acting there's a bunch of other stuff i i mean i i don't know you know if like they just copy and pasted things in there i don't know how all this stuff works but it looks like there was a team involved in this, and I don't get how it did not get shut down in production. Like, someone just didn't look at that and go, wow, this is incredibly offensive. We can't do this. Never post it, you know, kind of hmm. thing. Wow. I could not believe it. But but it's not, the big thing is it's not SNK that actually did it. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. It okay. was uh, someone who they're kind of partnered with, and they've had pretty questionable advertisements go up there. Uh, they're trying to promote their game, and they're actually putting images of like Street Fighter V and Dead or Alive uh, up there <laughs> to promote their game, which is uh, not something they have the licensing or rights to be able to do. So this this company is pretty bad at what they do. Um, and, you know, well, I mean, proof in the pudding right there with that, that advertisement coming out. So, yeah, I don't see how that. I mean, it'll be interesting that probably the end of that story is they got shut down and they got sued and that was it but i mean we'll see i guess huh yeah <laughs> wow so um yeah um Moving on here, actually, we did have a Capcom Pro Tour event. Oh, cool. And, yeah, um, uh, ITK's Dahlstein was one of the major surprises out of nowhere, I think, for most people. Even though he's the fifth player overall on CFN uh, and he placed fourth at the event, uh, he beat some big names along the way to get to that placement, but I don't think that most people knew who he was coming into this. He hasn't placed at a lot of events before. He's mostly uh, an online player. But, but here's the kicker. John, take a guess at who ITK's main training partner is. Just take a guess at who it is. I mean, I, I feel like you're setting me up here. It's got to be someone big. So uh, I feel if it was Daigo, we would know because Daigo streams all the time. And Daigo's got that other new guy under his wing. Uh, from, his name escapes me at the time. He also plays Guile, super young. Uh, uh, Momochi. No, it's Tokido. 
Oh. ITK is one of the reasons why Tokido is so damn good at this game. And I've said it before, and it's worth saying again. If you look at some of these names uh, in the CPT online tournaments, you you think they're unknown randos, right? Like you just, you've never heard of them before, right? But then you look at who they play regularly, and it's often the training partners. Um, they're training partners for some of the best pros in the business. Mm. And uh, ITK had some amazing tech in his own right, right? I've never seen a Dalson player use his Air Yoga Fire. Uh, uh, yoga flame, whatever, um, to anticipate flails and counter them if the opponent did anything. Like he was just anticipate, uh, anticipating like someone flailing or do something they shouldn't, and he would catch them with that stuff. It was amazing. I'm like, dude, I've watched a lot of Dalson players because it's a matchup I struggle with pretty heavily. I have never seen that before from any any of them, and, and no shock, of course, that it would come from like the fifth overall uh, player on CFN. Like this guy is amazing, and again, if Tokido regularly practices against him, like of course he has to be amazing, right? Like I mean, that's how Tokido gets so good. Well, and you have to know, Dawson, we've said before, is one of those characters that you could study Street Fighter V and, and know the rest of the cast like the back of your hand. But if you don't know the specifics of Dalsum, he's going to run a train over you every time. Ten times out of ten, he's a scrub killer. And he's not easy to play, right? But it sounds like with ITK, and we've seen a handful of, of really strong Dalsums, the character has made it up into the top eight of EVO thanks to uh, Filipino Champ. When I did the Capcom Pro Tour online uh, stats thus far for how many characters have placed in the top eight and the top 16, Dawson was number two under Urian. He's gotten to top eight three times and top 16, 11. That's obviously changed since the uh, beginning of October. But this character has some juice. It's just, it's it's hard to find. And, and you know, it's, you got to really put in your time before you're going to see results. But what it's feeling like to me is that ITK is the way you're talking about how he's using a move uh, in the uh, the air is it the air yoga gale you're saying yeah. where there there are certain say rules of using it or maybe you have it in setups and maybe you've studied the frame data and you understand how to sort of plug it into the machine to make it do its job but after you get past a certain sense and I'm exploring this with Seth right now because I'm beginning to see it kind of creep out in my usage of V trigger 2 after you become so familiar with something, and maybe it's just in one setup or something like that, but eventually you kind of learn the rules so you can break them and you start to feel um, the frame data, if that makes sense. You kind of yeah. know what's going to happen here, even if you haven't necessarily put it in this particular situation before. You're like, I know this so well that I can use it and manipulate it on the fly and and then that's when you're starting to get into like okay because i can sense that there's going to be a flail here and if mm -hmm. i stick this flame here it's going to work and then sure yeah. enough it does and i think those of us that have played a lot have been in those kind of uh, uh like gone to that realm before if you will but man seeing a dalsum do that is one very exciting and cool because you know, you don't always see Dalsums getting that far in tournament i guess maybe in the cpto you do but <laughs> and and also it's terrifying because Dalsum's been secret really, really high tier for a long time. I think I've played a lot of, uh, of Akita, whom we talked about before. Yeah. Uh, and if this is out there and it's like, oh, yeah, Akita's not even the best. Or, you know, it's like, mm. great, good. What am I doing? I'm, I'm just, if I run into this guy, I'm just going to get rolled. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, there's a lot of great talent online. And actually, that's something that as, uh, Punk spoke about before. Uh, just that there's a lot of hidden talent out there that does not show up to events. It's this is a really hard industry to make it as a pro gamer. You have a maybe like 1% of the pro players that are out there who are making a consistent enough living to actually get by doing this. And then you have all the other people who are getting, you know, 
25th at Capcom Cup or something like that where they're winning tournaments. Uh, they're doing okay, but they're spending way more money to travel and to do this stuff. And it's like, it's a young person's game out there. Uh, you start getting older, you start having a family or other stuff. You can't do this professionally usually because uh, there's just not enough, not enough money in it. Like you have mm -hmm. to be Tokido or Daigo or someone like that, uh, or Punk for that matter, uh, to, to really make this as a living. And I mean, you know, I've named three people out of what, a couple hundred pro players we could talk about who consistently win tournaments and place up there really high. It, it's This is very hard to do. But again, going back to what um, a Punk said is that there's a lot of hidden talent online who does not travel to events and go and do this stuff, and now you get to see them. So you get to see Tokido's training partner, one of them, go up there and get fourth at a huge event and, and piece out someone like Fudo along the way, right? You know, to get in there. It's like, this is a big deal. And it's it people, you know, just saying like, well, tournaments are the only place where, you know, great players like show up and, and do this stuff. It's like, no, a lot of people can't afford to travel to events consistently. So you only see them here and there. It doesn't mean they're not great. This guy got fourth, right? And and mm -hmm. people need to put way more respect on online play and the talent that is out there because even the pros flat out know that there is great talent out there who does not consistently show up to events. If ITK did, maybe he would be consistently in top eight, you know, or something like that. Like he's he's good enough to be up there that far, right? And, and again, it's our community is very stupid, and I'm going to flat out call out a lot of people in our community about it, not everyone, but very stupid about online versus offline play. Just thinking, well, if you don't play offline, you're not that good. That is freaking stupid. ITK is a complete proof that you can play online and be extremely good, but you just don't have the resources to travel. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't have the hundreds or thousands of dollars that it takes to travel consistently to all these events around the globe when that was still an option. And and they so they play primarily online and they just have fun with the game. They enjoy it for what it is, realizing that it's really hard to make it as a pro in the fighting game community. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're able to stop Fudo from getting second place, I didn't realize that there was a force <laughs> that existed that could do that. So, And, and sure enough, uh, I'm a, it was Tokido that put ITK into loser's bracket 3-0, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, your training partner, you get all the way to the end, and uh, that's the person you end up fighting. That always kind of sucks, but it is what it is. And, hey, we're talking about ITK right now, and, uh, well, I guess we're also going to talk about Tokido, so maybe there's <laughs> no silver lining in that. Yeah. But... Oh man, I I'm terrified of a couple of characters, uh, a couple of characters that usually aren't highlighted as the as the best, and uh, Dalsum's definitely one of them. Yeah, well, well, let's get into this actually. So we've been talking about Tokido quite a quite a bit here. Let's get into this. He had over twenty eight thousand points as of early twenty twenty. Right, he he had went back to his uh, his PC account, which he had started all the way back like at the very start of um, you know Street Fighter Five coming out twenty sixteen. Right, but he hardly played on it. He played on his PS four account. So uh, he had 28,000 points uh, uh, back in April this year. Um, about seven months later, here currently, he has over 135,000 points when I looked yesterday at almost the end of October 2020. This guy has gained over 100,000 points in a seven-month span. Uh, he's been playing online a lot to get there. He does battle lounges, he does other things, but he also grinds the hell out of ranked. And uh, a good portion of that time was actually spent with his brand new character, Urian. Uh, brand new character for him, right? He normally plays Akuma, of course. Mm -hmm. um, during the CPT Asia East 2 tournament, the one that just happened, he played Urian more than he played Akuma. About 90% of the time, he played Urian. He really only busted out Akuma uh, like a little bit against uh, uh, Gachikun. And then there was a mirror match, of course, uh, you know, and he didn't want to play a Urian mirror, so he went to Akuma and won it, of course. Um, 
So anyway, this is very close to his CFM profile on, on his PC account too, like where he is, has been playing Urien a bit over 70% of the time uh, in his latest matches, and then the rest has been Akuma, right? So mm -hmm. you might be wondering why the hell Tokido is playing Urien uh, hands down over the best character, like I, I should say, who um, Akuma is hands down the best character in the game. Why are you playing Urien over, over Akuma there? And I think he might be wondering the exact same thing because when I looked today, it appeared like he was putting in quite a bit more time with Akuma again. Like, <laughs> I think he he saw his placement here and said, I probably could have won the tournament if I played Akuma. Why am I not playing Akuma more often? I, who knows uh, where Tokido will be in a month or a year from now, but unless he travels to another country or mm -hmm. gets voted in, He's not going to qualify for Capcom Cup this year. He's and, out. And he, he and he bet that on Urian, which is not yes. a bad... It's never a bad not bet a bad to bet, bet on the Urian. Only in, unless the other bet is, is Akuma and Why we're talking you? about Tokido. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, he, he dominated Topanga this year. Like We're not talking about years ago or something like that. We're talking about this year, the same Akuma. He dominated in Topanga. I, I think it was the most dominant run we've ever seen in that tournament. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to go to Urian, bro. Like, why, why do you think he was thinking? I, I, it sounds like, a, you know, this is too easy. I'm going to tie a hand behind my back. Which, by the way, playing Urian is never tying a hand behind your back. But, again, when it's coming from Tokido, or when it's coming from Akuma, maybe a little bit. Something along those lines. I don't know. I can't. I can't. Maybe he has more fun. Maybe it's too easy with Akuma and that's it. I, uh, but uh, certainly not because you're a pro and you're. this is more than just how exciting it is. It's like you want to make the money. You want to uh, continue to, to imp uh, improve your resume. You want to get into freaking Capcom Cup, which, like you said, now, safer unless he goes to China, Australia, or North America West, Tokido's not going to be there. And he could be voted in, like you say, um, and that might be an interesting thing to uh, come back to because we only have three events left. A lot of players that you would expect to be in the Pro Tour and, or in the Capcom Cup are not going to be there. Um, and there's only one voting in of, of the uh, previous 32 and those that are not qualified yet. Uh, how's that going to go down? I don't know. Do you yeah. vote in Tokido over Punk? And I don't know. But yeah. uh, I see this, I look at it, and I go, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that Tokido is hardcore rooting for Punk at this next CPT North America tournament. Mm. He's, he, yeah, I mean, it, who's going to start in losers, by the way? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's uh, I mean, but Punk in losers bracket is like, you know, the, the final form of Punk, right? Like he's he's kind of whatever in winners bracket, but in losers bracket, he is a, a possessed man in terms of what he's capable of doing. Um, but I mean, we're dogging Tokido here a good bit, but I mean, getting third overall isn't really a bad performance. It's just, that's kind of rough for Tokido and kind of what you expect from him. Like you expect him to be at Capcom Cup. So I, again, I'm, I'm just curious so much why he, he's messing with Yurian when he's traditionally been an Akuma main. And most people say Akuma, again, is the best character in the game. It's not just us. Uh, it's most people now uh, have, have picked up that torch and said, yeah, this is the best character in the game. As you said, maybe he feels a bit guilty. I don't know. No, maybe didn't he's he, trying. Didn't he well, say uh, Urian was the best at one point early on? I, exactly where I was going. He, maybe he's trying to prove that that Urian is actually number one. He's trying to he's trying to back up his words, and it's like, dude, don't you don't need to back up what well, you say. Did, or he, he went back because he said later that okay, it's pretty clear that Akuma is, if I recall correctly. Is, is that is, is he uh, went back and said Akuma? Look, guys, it's, it's Akuma. Come on, I was, I was kidding. <laughs> I'd have to double check that, but I know for a while he was saying Urian was number one, and I think he did a tier list, but it was like a combination tier list with two other great players, and I think that they had Akuma number one or above Urian or something like. that that right yeah. um 
You remember but, what I said at the delicious hotel breakfast the day after Capcom Cup when we had these uh, patch notes? Do you remember? I'm trying to remember. Uh, the food was so good, I don't think I could remember. It was. Those little mini red velvet <laughs> oh, waffles. Man. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but I said, just looking at the patch notes, I was like, based on the no nerfs, and I think I would have said G is going to be number one because I just have an emotional hatred for him, but mm-hmm. uh, Urian is uh, definitely number two. And, uh, and I don't think it, it shaped out that way. But given the someone with the status and the understanding of this game, uh, like Tokido, realistically, all that we can say here, we're dumbfounded, right? Well, like maybe yeah. he sees something that we don't, and we we see a lot, you know, like yeah. like maybe if if Akuma has straight S's across the board in the stats, like dude, Urian has A pluses, you know, mm-hmm. and and maybe he's better in certain certain areas, and and it could be that Tokido still sees potential for Yurian to be better than Akuma and he is trying to mine that out because when the stakes are this high and you are one of those very few players that is doing this as your profession why would you take this gamble you know why would you take this approach it doesn't make much sense to me unless he's got some really crazy bet in the background with Momochi and and we just don't know about it that would be epic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you're, you're talking about characters who are in you know the top five, top other range. And so let's get into it now. Um, I, I have definitely moved Seth into my top five based on usage alone. They're being played by everyone now. So John, I have to turn it right back over mm-hmm. to you. Why is everyone and their mother playing Seth right now in Street Fighter V? <laughs> I was going to intro that and then throw it at you and i, I was going to use the phrase and their mother uh, but yeah so i guess you we're me with your notes dude i here. stole your notes and you have to deal with it now that's what Express you get when you give me your notes that's what i need which by the way expressvpn if you'd like to sponsor us this could be where your spot goes uh, no. uh, so yeah everyone is playing seth and their mother um, and and i wanted to there, there's a few things i want to get to here because uh, basically when this happens the immediate alarm or red flag that goes off in my head is, and I think a lot of other people's heads is, okay, so is there something wrong with the character's balance? Are they too good? Maybe not the best in the game, but are they too good um, for for what it takes to play them? And I don't see an immediate yes to that. Uh, Seth has plenty of tools, very strong across the board, but with the exception of maybe the axe kick, you're not seeing a whole lot of discussion about that's not fair. It's just really good, and mm-hmm. it's with it seems Seth seems to fall within that realm of really good but not broken. Um, and we can talk about the axe kick; that can be its own thing. But even so, I want to say, have we seen this level of relative popularity with another character before? Was it Rashid in previous years? Has anyone been as popular as Seth has among the top players? You know, because uh, you look in Akuma, I think have both been up here before. And then in like past seasons, you had Nikali, you had Chun-Li, Ryu. But I mean, in recent memory, I would say it's only Rashid and Akuma. And have we seen numbers like, because I, I have the our CPT Online Asia East 2 top 128 character usage stats. Seth blows everybody out of the water with 14 uses and then three pocket characters. And I've been watching the Street Fighter League um, for the U.S. one, and we're on. Uh, we're going to be on week four this week on um, tomorrow on Thursday. It airs on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Um, Pacific time. But in this first week, there were a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches played, and there was eight uses of Seth. Ooh. Not every, Seth wasn't in every single one, but yeah. sometimes it was Seth v. Seth. And in the first mm-hmm. in the first team battle, it was uh, Nassar versus UYU, and uh, 
every person that won won with Seth. It's like, like, and and so, and the reason for that is because in the Street Fighter League, you have bans. So a couple of characters, two characters are getting banned every time out. Everyone's just falling back on their secondary. And apparently everyone has a Seth now. Why is this character so damn attractive? I don't feel, I, just going off of feeling, I don't think that anyone has been this popular. I don't think we saw this many Akuma pockets. I think people explore the character. Um, a lot of times they want to just know how to face the character, especially at these higher levels. But with the higher level players, I've never seen this many. It just doesn't feel like it. Maybe save for Rashid in, in tournaments, but like people playing just their casuals and and you go on CFN and you look at the character usage and stuff and it's just like man Seth is up there what is so damn attractive about them yeah i would have to go back and look at like all the years i didn't you know anticipate that like in in seeing like yeah all we the don't characters. have hard numbers there so yeah, so it, take it with a grain of salt sure it feels like it feels like Seth is about par for a really strong character in this game. Uh, that's how i go with it and then like i mean just even at the last CPT Momochi Yurio uh Eda, Dogura, Punko, Kendevu, Gamerbee, and Oil King, they all use Seth in the last, uh, that last CPT event. And that doesn't even count people like SKZ, CN, uh, Angry Bird, all using Seth and some others, of course, to win a qualifying spot for Capcom Cup. Like, it, it's to see this amount of usage in this close of a time is, is a very crazy kind of uh, scenario, which mm-hmm. that I don't think we've quite seen before. And I think that's something I could definitely speak to. And when this has happened in the past, it's pretty much been a lock that uh, anything in this vein, I should say, has pretty much been a lock that the character is going to get nerfed in the next balance patch. Not always, because Rashid and Akuma, they survived for a long time with similar results. But typically, the nerf bat swings in their direction after some time passes, and we've got a balance patch coming up here in December very, 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 very soon. And at this point in time, I would put the odds as much more likely that Seth sees nerfs than is left alone in December. You'd think that uh, after last time and wh- how they treated G and how they treated Urian, I'm not so sure. Right. Maybe because they did nail Rashid to a wall apparently, uh, and and but he did. He just also, won. Yes, yeah. he won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, they they knocked him down. I, I think it's very clear that I mean, like John Takauchi was even playing Cody in tournament, right? Like I mean, it's very clear that that Rashid is less than he was before he fell a few pigs yeah Yeah. and they murdered chun and ryu and and mika from what they were in season one we've seen them really reduce characters but the later on you get in these in these games you got to think like we've kind of figured out what we want and sure maybe we'll do some little tweaking here but like they're not making as big of moves as i expected previously so now when i go into this next balance match i'm thinking Maybe some tweaks here and there, and maybe a, a new character like Seth that hasn't had four years, three years of, of exploration behind them, maybe, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, they might hit the axe kick and nothing else, or maybe mm-hmm. they'll do something with forward throw. I'm not for sure that Seth's going to get nerfed or heavily nerfed. Yeah, I think that they're going to look at the characters like frame data in particular, like some of the startup and some of the recovery on the moves, I think is one of the main spots they're going to look at. Like maybe like these, this move starts up like a frame or two too fast right now, uh, like especially like their target combo, you know, options and stuff and maybe make the target combo a little bit um, uh, more punishable, you know, kind of thing. Um, I, I think that's all stuff that they can look at. Like they want the Seth players like, I mean, we're just seeing such a flood of them right now that I it's hard for me to see Capcom not say hmm we got to dial this back but 
again, I'm not complaining heavily about Seth because we have a balance patch like right on the horizon, and I don't struggle with the character at all. And I'll knock on wood with that one. Um, John I'm and coming I play, for you. I'm figuring yeah, it out, baby. <laughs> you, you, you 100% are, and I mean, I'm switching to Rose here in you know four months or something like that. Uh, but I mean, even then, it's been a big time struggle for you to get around my defense, yeah. and I think that that is legitimately an area that Seth struggles in. And so I do think that they're a great pocket character, but I don't know if like they're the best main character, right? Like I, I still have like you know Akuma and a few others above them, but I've definitely again on usage alone, like their usage is through the roof. I'm putting them to a top five spot. You know, I mean, I think you have to. But again, what I'm saying here is though, is that like you look at the results for Seth and you do see some really good ones, but you also see some like okay, you know, they got 49th place uh, and it was a Sako, you know, with Seth and all that, and it's like Gamer B also got 49th place. It's not like Seth is completely dominating here, but they're they're probably a bit too good overall. Which is perfect for me because that tells me or that points me in the direction of the idea that Seth is good and is appealing to a lot of players but isn't just free wins. Right. And the, so so that red flag that popped up in my mind when I see all this, I go, oh no, the character's broken. I don't think the character's broken. You might tweak them down a little bit, see where other characters are at and such. But what I think is so appealing about them is that there's so many ways to play Seth. Not mm. only, okay, one of, the, one of the most obvious is that you can go with V-Trigger or V-Skill 1 or V-Skill 2 and both have uh, some fairly evident and appealing uh, uh, strategy to them. So you got one type of player that sees, okay, so I can be in neutral and I can use V-Skill 1 and it's pretty good there as, as like a, just a neutral tool, but then also it gives me these cool other moves if I install and that might be appealing to some. And then others, like I was first drawn by V-Skill 2 because it's quick movement and it's like to get in quickly um, and and put some, some pressure on people. Uh, I liked what that... Uh, appeared to be um, and then V trigger one is completely different than V trigger two and although yeah. V trigger two is a little intimidating with how technical it is and it's like I've been I've my sessions of Street Fighter have been like 90% training mode and then maybe 10% <laughs> just to remind myself how to play the game uh, playing online matches but mostly John, it's just John are you, are you saying that Street Fighter 5 is way more technical than Street Fighter 4 is that what you're saying Anyways, uh, <laughs> no, it's not what I'm saying. Not at all. Um, Sorry, in fact, I, I will probably get to this. I played some Street Fighter 4, and I couldn't do basic-ass <laughs> combos uh, to save my life because I am I am traditionally not an execution monster, uh, but that's its own sort of thing. The, no, just like the rules of V-Trigger 2, uh, let's sit on this for a second. Uh, you can move it three times, and then... Uh, you can move Seth, and then you can move it a fourth time. Mind you, this is in any of eight directions you can do this. Then you can move it a fourth time, um, and then it'll stay where it's at, and then you can either explode it, or if it hits the opponent enough times, it'll dissipate. But then there's like weird rules to it, because if you don't, if you move it twice, and then you don't move it for a certain amount of frames, you lose the ability to, uh, you just go right to that last, you can move it one more time, and then that's it. Um, or it'll dissipate at weird times, and like there are certainly rules to it, but trying to hammer down exactly what those are is is goofy. Like if you get hit, it disappears most of the time, but if you get hit with a V reversal that doesn't, uh, V reversals don't knock it away. So, gosh, you have to have different setups for characters that can knock you down with V reversals versus ones that can just like physically move, and and uh, ones that don't knock down. It's it's crazy. So there's so much of the you know it's it's an intimidating v trigger what do i do on block what do i do on hit what do i do when i'm near the corner what do i do if i want to reset blah blah blah, blah. but the potential's there and for some players 
That's massive. That's incredibly exciting, incredibly intriguing to go in there and either figure it out yourself or look up some Sako videos and, and let him do the work for you because he's amazing with it. Yeah. Um, it's just there's so much to this character. And then when it comes down to like great footsies, great pressure, uh, you can play Seth in a couple of different ways, maybe a little more reserved, maybe a little more rushdown. But there's something for almost everyone with this character. And if it's not that they're super broken, then maybe they're just super well designed. Maybe it's not that they're poorly designed, maybe they're super well designed and Capcom has figured it out with Seth. And that would be very encouraging here in the uh, the last chapters as we look forward to seeing, well, what are they gonna do with the last five characters here? And is this momentum gonna carry into Street Fighter VI? That's a pretty good look if your most recent character is this big of a home run. Yeah, I, I, I do agree that Seth is very well designed. Again, this is this is the exact kind of character I've been asking for uh, for many years now, where it's like, release them, make sure they're strong and good and, and you know technical and all that other kind of stuff. You mentioned that they're not free wins. I 100% agree with that, and so do most of our audience, actually. They, they uh, voted in our poll and said that they're one of the most technical characters in Street Fighter V, and I think people have realized their potential more so now and and it's definitely far more potential than I saw coming. You know, I, I definitely want to own that here. I did not see them being this strong. Um, what did you say initially? You you and Steven checked Seth out like day two or whatever. Like bottom 10 or bottom 15 is where we had them initially. You mm -hmm. know, and it just didn't feel like they had that much potential. But uh, other players, like after a month or two, like they, they kept with the characters and, and felt like they were going to end up in a good spot. But it's it's hard to know what technical technical characters where they're going to end up at. Sure. You know, people will be like, hey, I knew Manat was going to be this and I knew Seth was going to be that. And, you know, of course, like how did you not see G coming and all this other kind of stuff and Zeku? And you can name all those characters, but then you also, you need to remember jury gill and vega those are also very high-end technical characters according to our audience and those characters have mostly ended up on the kind of meh you know like they're kind of whatever you know type thing like some people think they're okay but for the most part they're not making a big presence in tournaments and it's hard to know where technical characters are going to end up at until you've had enough time with them. And I was very careful, and so was Steven, to option select and say, hey, they're very technical characters. We knew that from the get-go. And it was early. What Exactly. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so it, it just took us a bit to get there. But V-Trigger 2 setups are hella legit, especially for being a two-bar V-Trigger. And, and just now, you are seeing some really outstanding things. Like, I believe that V-Trigger 2 usage is a good bit more common than V-Trigger 1 now. And that was not the case when the character first started out. Most people were going with V-Trigger 1. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has, in my opinion, made the character a good bit more powerful than they were initially and that was one of the things we struggled with and we did also talk about when we initially discussed Seth and said hey V-Trigger 2 is a X factor here where it could make the character tremendously better but we haven't been able to properly explore it because it's insanely hard to use from the get-go like in you again you, you're spending you know hour hour and a half and so in training mode for the first time ever and you're like hey this is actually tough to use so Yes, and it's, so it's a very deep Sorry. well, but we're getting far down that well, and we're finding some pretty awesome results with it, right? John, uh, you didn't even react to my insult, dude. Yeah, I said that was the first time you've ever been in trading mode, and you're, like, you're, you're just saying, like, yeah, that's correct. Uh, oh, come I, on, I man. really don't pay attention to when you're talking. I kind of just think about what okay. I'm going to say next. It's not really a gotcha. back and forth here, you know? Uh, <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I, I, uh, but yeah, sh shut up. I want to talk about the axe kick, though, because when we first started exploring Seth, and, and I didn't deep dive like you guys did. I sort of just went online and fa faced a handful of Seths and wasn't that wasn't super popular in my area. I faced a few, and then I kind of like stopped playing online for a while just because it was frustrating and, and all that stuff. But 
uh, I immediately, like the first time I played against the character, Axe Kick, not only could you do it for weird trajectory changing pressure, but you could do it from far away and then the trajectory change means that you're not going to come in when it looks like a jump in and then, but it's like very difficult to punish from, from certain ranges. Not so much from a knot because you get to throw your hurt boxless orb for forever away. But you know, for, for most characters like Nikali, I was like, well, maybe I can, if I, if I think they're going to do it, I can stay relatively far away. And then if they jump, I'll just do a, a, like a slash, which that's not a winning strategy by the way, because it's like punishably negative if, if it, if you get blocked and such. And it didn't really work, by the way. It's like, I didn't feel like I had much answer. And Seth players were just doing it from any range, including just flat out whiffing. And it was a legitimate tool that I had to think about. And then, hey, bring in all of Seth's other options to fight you with. And it was a real problem. And I remember uh, it being highlighted by Tyrant and Pax in their recent video that they put up a few months ago of this just being absolutely disgusting. I, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, but before I go into um, my I, thoughts I, on it, I'd like to hear yours. Well, I just want, I do want to go back to that because Tyrant and Pax picked up on this and you say a couple months ago. And, and that's one of the things I do want to you know really point out to people like this perception of Seth is reasonably newish you had a few people jumping on the bandwagon early um but it really did even take a few months until after the characters released for them to pick up momentum uh and then they've really picked up a lot of momentum like these last like three or four months and stuff most people did I not picked see. them up and then now everyone's i'm the trend exactly. what can i say <laughs> <laughs> but i mean again it's, it's so things have evolved quickly with them uh and again I, that speaks to the very technical nature of the characters but yeah i, I agree with what you said there Mm -hmm. So what do you think of Axe Kick? Is it, and, and maybe not so much as a Monot player who seems to have answers, but just like generally speaking from what you've seen, how do you feel about Axe Kick? Is it is it a broken move? Does it need to be tweaked? Is it actually okay? And it's just something that we have to, um, as the as the, uh, the, opposite, uh, the opposition of Seth, you have to mine and figure out how to beat? Uh, where does it land for you? I, I think what you've said about Monad is a very apt thing because I'm at a bit of a disadvantage for fairly assessing this character. Since uh -huh. I win this matchup, it's it's hard for me to put it in there, but I will um, concede to what Daigo has said because he was one of the people who originally correctly predicted how strong this character was going to be. And he actually doesn't think that Axe Kick is a huge issue overall, but he would add a few extra frames of recovery to it, especially on whiff. You know, um, If you're going to whiff something in this game, you probably should be fairly punishable with it in most circumstances. If you play Bison, Capcom said you're never going to be able to be with punished ever but everyone else they're like yeah you can you, you know we're, we're going to do this too so I, that's one change i would make to it but again i really don't struggle a lot against the move and it's i don't know what it, it's like every seth player on the planet they do one axe kick you know another one is coming every time it's like every freaking time i don't know why it's, but um so i don't have a huge issue with it but but again I'm, I'm conceding to what daigo said much more overall because his reads on the character have been phenomenal so mm -hmm. far and and i okay so i guess i'll just say yes i 100 percent agree with that in that well, my issue with the move is that so many people are using it without much intention and they're still getting mileage out of it. Now, I, as I've played, I, I, first of all, I need to axe kick more. It's like one of the notes. It's just like, hey, axe kick more because it's free and <laughs> most of the time. But then when I do it, I find myself like getting anti-aired and getting hit or whiffing and getting punched. But I... I I find like maybe I just don't have an intuition with it that apparently other people do, or maybe I have some kind of like negative intuition if that's a thing at all. Anyways, I haven't had tons of success, but I also have seen times where I'm just like, oh yeah, axe kick is a thing. 
uh, I'm going to use it and see what happens. And maybe they jumped, maybe they threw a fireball, maybe they did a normal, uh, maybe they're just moving forward. But even then, nine times out of ten, it's not going to go poorly for Seth. And a lot of times, it just happens to go well for him. And when that's the kind of move you've got, that the risk versus reward just isn't appropriate. And mm-hmm. what Daigo said as his fix for it would be to make it more risky. And that's exactly where I would go. So even as a Seth player who's like, I don't, I don't want to take away my good stuff now that I found someone with some good stuff... I think that you hey, know, you're get, not a you played Nikali for like five seasons Nikali or something like that. has good stuff that doesn't work well with his other good stuff, and so it becomes <laughs> moot. And you've said Nikali's a booty butt cheeks kind of sort of character that's just so limited. It's like you can get up to a certain ceiling, but yeah. g- great. now, now, yeah, I mean, in season one he had like fifty anti-air jabs. Oh, season jabs one he was stupid like good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he yeah, also but, had invincible DP and and the anti-air jabs. And remember how V triggers didn't oh, scale man. and crush counters <laughs> didn't scale, and that, that was an <laughs> insanely different game pepper in some uh input lag and nikali's dash versus jump is a mix-up yeah he was an amazing character then uh haitani took advantage of that handful other characters took or players took advantage of that i was i mean i guess you felt that a little bit from our ps4 play but oh man yeah that was so bad so so fair enough that's a whole different set of issues but yeah i'm sorry i I had to jump in but yeah you were saying with seth that you you (laughs) axe kick yeah (laughs) right so i do think that that would be an appropriate change because it's just currently being used with so little intent just in a cavalier way and it's paying off it's like that's a clear okay developers you screwed up a little bit there Uh, i can't say that you were 100 percent on this character but overall it's it's beautiful to see and maybe i'm off but it seems like we've got so many of these characters floating around and even those who aren't using seth are looking at it and they're going "Mm, yeah it makes sense um yeah that's okay and th- meanwhile, those of us that are using Seth are having a blast. And usually mm. when someone's having a blast, it's like <laughs> the Rashid player army that's like, yeah, and everyone's super pissed off at you. But as good as Seth is, as strong of, of a character and as many tools and as many ways as you can approach the character and be efficient with them, they're not pissing everybody off as far mm. as I can tell. Not too much. I'm still more mad at Akuma. I'm still more mad at yep. Urien. I'm still more mad at G. Not Seth. And that's interesting to me. And I say, dude, that's a really good look. Like I was saying earlier, that's a really good look for Capcom in what they're doing. And maybe this is just every so often they hit a home run and don't expect it consistently. But with where we're standing right now, uh, the momentum is in their corner with this character. And I'm, I got to say, I'm thoroughly impressed. Yeah, and I think even if the character gets nerfed down a bit, this has been one of our huge points, I think some people are going to stick with them. And, you know, one of the other things I would adjust is like the, the toward medium punch, um, the step that's shoot my is what it's thing. called. Yeah, it goes right into his, you know, the target combo, which leads into some great stuff for them. It's currently got nine frames of startup, and that does sound like a lot, but you have to realize that move lunges them forward and mm-hmm. lets them go into some amazing stuff. So I'd probably add a couple extra frames of uh, startup on that. Quiet maybe you. Maybe. I'm editing this part of the podcast out, by the way, so no one's going to hear it. <laughs> maybe make it neg three and stuff instead of neg two. You know, like just it's a little bit more. I'm not sure. You know, that's one thing I would definitely tweak a little bit because watching the CPT, uh, some people were 
just kind of throwing it out there and hoping for good stuff to happen. Uh, there, there's a few things you can adjust here, but still keep the character really good. And if they if they nerf stuff into Oblivion, I would actually be very upset because I think the character is interesting and compelling, and it's a good reason to pick up Street Fighter V. I don't believe, I've, I've told you guys many times, I don't believe in nerfing highly technical characters heavily. I think highly technical characters should be very good fundamentally because you, as you're seeing right now, you know, you compare this to, I joked with you just a second ago about going into training mode for the first time. You never had to go in and spend two hours, you know, to learn a single setup with Nikali. Like, you have to do that with Seth. That is a requirement to play this character at a high level of play. That is a, a legitimate thing that you have to put in. If you have technical characters, they should be fairly strong to, to compensate for the human error and the problems that come in when you're trying to do all this stuff. Uh, elsewise, like, you're going to have characters like Jury who are technical, but very few people play um, or try to do it at a high it's level or like they... It's not worth it. You know, like, it's it's really not worth it when you can go play Bison, Kami, and Nikali and just uh, ungabunga your way to victory all the time. And it's like, why would I spend effort when I don't have to and I can beat people? And it is a fundamental problem with these games. And this is every fighting game where if you have technical characters who suck, the amount of people who are going to play them is going to be very few and far between. Mm-hmm. And there's an answer to this question. Seth's the answer to that question. Why would I, why would I migrate away from a character like Nikali if he fits what I'm wanting? It's like, well, this other character is both fun and can go to uh, higher heights, and and that's great, you know. And and to boot, it's an esports character. V Trigger Two is really cool to watch. These setups, uh, every time Sako does something, and it's like, well, we'll see. And that's not just Sako by any means. Like I've seen some really cool stuff from Shen. I'm sure Momochi's got it. I haven't seen Momochi off the top of my head, but I'm sure. <laughs> it's really cool to see whether it's. He's bouncing someone across the screen on this ball and like also backing up himself so that he can position himself to like hit them at the very end or it's a crazy corner setup where it's not there to do damage but it's there to reset them into a full combo Uh, and then V trigger one is is also super awesome to watch in that it's it's like this really awesome Dragon Ball Z teleport hit you a million times pop you back up into whatever. Uh, it's just there's so much to this character that is a win. Ugh, carry this momentum forward, Capcom. Good stuff. I can hear from Sweden that Majin Tenshinhan is, is screaming boob outline in a wig. And <laughs> I love when he was on here before. And it's like, but I mean, again, if that's what people want, you give the people what they want, right? And, you know, they like sexy characters, so make the character more sexy. And they did, you know, and so props to them. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm cracking up about that because he always brings it up. And it's it's highly relevant because literally the opinion on the character shifted dramatically from what was in Street Fighter 4 to being one of the most hated characters in the game to being as you've just mentioned a lot of people aren't bad math bad mouthing the character anymore they're like all of a sudden i like the design and, and nick is like yeah it's a boob outline that's what they did and then like all of a sudden the characters it, it just cracks me up but i but play nostalgic seth but sometimes when i'm feeling extra trolly or just kind of out there i'll go over to swimsuit seth and <laughs> and the swimsuit seth does have boob outline so yeah and yep. a wig yep there you go <laughs> So what you got, man? I, I heard you you said before you were playing Street Fighter 4 and you're comparing it to Street Fighter 5. I know that Dream King has been really heavily into this. Like, like set this up for our listeners. What is going on here? Yeah, okay, well, I don't know how much of the curtain I want to peel back yet because we're digging in here. Um, I'll just say this, that we're, we're planning on producing a series of articles and basically just doing some some research to really dig down and get into the details. Uh, I think we're going to call it the medium porridge 
articles or something like that series reference to Goldilocks and that where's that perfect balance between some of the things that Street Fighter 4 did and some of the stuff that Street Fighter 5 does identifying where things went too far in each game and finding that good medium porridge spot where this is what we want to go into Street Fighter 6 or whatever comes next you know, do we want V-triggers or something like that? Do we want as many defensive options um, as Street Fighter 4 offered? Not so much. And um, and so, yeah, that's we've just started it, so we haven't done a, a ton. But we both recently got uh, Street Fighter 4, Ultra Street Fighter 4, on the PC and played a few sets, uh, <laughs> shook off the dust. I'll say immediately it felt like it was... Um, it, it felt like it was playing like with lead underwater. <laughs> and that's not because it was super laggy. In fact, the connection was great. Uh, we didn't run into virtually any lag, and that's not because I'm championing Street Fighter 4's netcode. I think we just have decent setups and are fairly close to each other, and uh, the, the delay-based netcode, the, the horrors of that never really kicked in you know, while we were playing. So, uh, But the whole thing felt different than Street Fighter Five. so it was definitely shaking off some rust and such. Um, but I gotta say, man, every time I go back to that game, what I walk away from thinking, uh, like, or what's on my heart is, that was fun. Like, mm-hmm. in a way that I just, sometimes you feel fun from Street Fighter Five, of course, but a lot of the times you come away from Street Fighter Five and you go, that was work, or I'm demoralized. And one of the things that we're aiming to hammer down is why that is. Like, what is it about the game? Uh, because Street Fighter Four has its faults, and and there are issues but like what is it about the game that that there's something about this flow that even if there's some crazy bs stuff you come away feeling like that was fun um, more so than i have with street fighter 5 and i think the same would go for for dream king he's not here but uh, in our discussions i'm pretty sure he said that a million times so um now that's not the case for you i know uh, street fighter 5 is your favorite yeah. street fighter game of all time correct mm-hmm that's yeah. correct, yeah. I, I generally feel very rewarded and good walking away from Street Fighter V, generally. Sometimes not, but I feel more often good about it, um, Street Fighter V than I did about four. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to reveal all of the, our initial findings, especially because they're still fairly unrefined. You know, I want to play more matches and have more discussions. But a few of the things, one of the, one of the first conclusions that we're sort of at right now, or at least, well, I'm not going to say it's a conclusion. It's not a conclusion. It's a, it's a hypothesis. And, and that is that the amount of risk that you're always facing in Street Fighter V is a stressor. And because everything that you're doing, you have to earn it in five because it's intent-based. It's something where, you know, you and I have spoken about like, well, when you hit a wall, why is that? It's because you need to now start looking at the game with a level of detail that you're clearly not looking at it with. And that's and that's to look at, okay, where are the life bars at? Where are all the meter at? What's your opponent's uh, capabilities from here? What are the likelihood? Trying to figure out the ever-changing risk versus reward of the moment and then act upon that. And, and that's true for all fighting games, sure. But with Street Fighter V, the intent-based uh, uh, style of it really, really settles on that. And so you do a lot of work. And at the end of the day, you are just picking an option and thinking, okay, this is my best bet sometimes. Sometimes it's dialed in because you got someone knocked down and they don't have meter to reversal. So you're like, I know I can put pressure on here. But you still better be damn good with your timing on their wake up, you know, or else you get interrupted. And that happens plenty. But point is, though... 
especially towards the end of rounds when V-triggers come into play, the amount of stress that you innately feel going through Street Fighter V knowing that if you flub up one time with any of this stuff and you mistime something or you choose the wrong option or hey, lag comes in because you're playing online or, or anything goes wrong, that can be your ass. And it can be, okay, so you got interrupted into a V-trigger sequence into Oki, got hit there, stun, game. And that's usually when you're playing like Yurian or Akuma, but or G. But that's a real thing in this game, and you need to have more uh, uh, options. You need to have more safety mm. nets. Street Fighter Four was filled with safety nets. Too much. Too many option selects. Too many defensive options. Sure. But I think you need to find that medium porridge between the two games and put a little more safety net. So because otherwise you're just you're just doing so much work and then it can all just be blown up in your face at the end of a, of a round and it very commonly does happen that way and that just sucks it leaves a negative taste in your mouth and when that happens enough you begin to project that that might happen and that's freaky too and then and that's that, and that's going to vary depending on who you talk to right and I, i've said many times that i think this is more of a marvel game than a street fighter game which is unfortunate street fighter should have a, a really good balance between offense and defense but if you look back and you know through history here uh, of fighting games street fighter 2 was was far too dominated by um offense um you could throw fireballs and other things and fireballs were an insane weapon in this game uh if you want to call this offense or defense or whatever but you're just chipping away huge portions of people's life and then like the cross-ups and like the one combo can kill you um you had so much incentive to play offense in street fighter 2 and really go in and go crazy mm. uh street fighter 3 was very defensive you you wanted to just be super calculated not do much risk not open yourself up practically at all and and that's what the game you know came around to street fighter 4 that was very a heavy defensive game at first so so defensive that that capcom put in a bunch of vortex and made that uh, you know stuff quite a bit stronger here right after super street fighter 4 um defensive characters were just dominating the game um and it ended up i think at a better balance of offense and defense but i would still say the game was as you just mentioned a little too neutral heavy a little too defense was was dominant unless you had a vortex character vortex was kind of like the one way of opening up the defensive characters and it's not a great way of balancing the game and i think it led to an uneven experience for a lot of people we got used to it and we accepted it but there it is street fighter 5 has a very offensive bias and you and i have talked about that and the game is still in development and we have a major balance change on the horizon so we're we're a little bit giving an unfair comparison because we're talking about finished products versus an unfinished product still with street fighter 5 but at this moment in time i do think that offense is way too dominant in this game probably like a 70 30 percent right now um and getting a new defensive mechanic, which you and I have talked about quite a bit, like maybe you give someone a free V reversal every single round. Like it doesn't take any V gauge. You get one free V reversal every single round, no matter what, like a little icon comes up there. And then after that, you have to use V gauge or something like that to just kind of stop the crazy offensive momentum that happens in this game but yes you are right um, but i definitely prefer my games to have the the freedom and ability to to play them how street fighter 5 is set up more so than street fighter 4 um and mm -hmm. you know it's it, when you're talking about nostalgia it's so hard to beat what's the memory in is in people's heads but that's why you and dream king are actively going back yes. and playing street fighter 4 at a high level that's the huge difference here you guys are trying to go back and replicate what the experience is like here in 2020. And I will say there is a very specific, at the very end of our sets we played, we, we first kind of just played some characters that we've dabbled with before, and then we got into our mains. So he played Dudley, and I played Goken. 
and and it was really like you know i was playing serious the whole time but this was intentional uh, to the max and uh, you know i was starting to remember how to do stuff and not my basic combos by the way i was like 50 50 on those dream king is a is an is an execution master it all just came back to him almost immediately <laughs> and he was really good with all, with a lot of stuff but when we were playing uh one of the basic uh uh kind of a or B options in the footsie game with Goken and Dudley is that Goken wants to throw fireballs because that's great and his fireballs are pretty damn good. Um, and so Dudley wants to duck under them. So if Dudley reads the fireball, he's going to go under and he's going to hit you and then he gets his way in. Sure. But then, so the counter to that is to kind of fake the fireballs and also use either, you know, a strong, uh, like a standing fierce or a sweep normal to if Dudley comes forward and you didn't throw the fireball, you hit him with that. And, um, and so that became like this really cool little, little interaction that would happen very often. And I was like, this is really cool. And then it, it would happen at the end of rounds where it, so many rounds were decided on our abilities to manipulate each other through that specific kind of little mini game that we were playing. And I go, that was really fun. Maybe it was just fun because I won, but I'll talk to Steven. And he's like, no, that was fun. Like that little, like trying to figure that out was cool. And I go now, where is that in five? It's there in five, but it's usually not there toward the end of rounds because the end of rounds become put something on you that I can activate into my plus 10 V trigger and then go ham and then sequence. And it's not every, not every round, but that happens so often that these really cool potential like neutral footsie battles at the end of rounds just kind of don't happen as much and you often feel robbed by V-Triggers, the robbery thing. Now, developers fixed Vortex for the most part in Street Fighter 4 eventually, and they've been tuning V-Triggers down. I think you still need to go more, and, and yeah. maybe the I, I think maybe the concept is just not the best executed. Like, it, it needs to go back to the drawing board, and you would do something else maybe entirely or, or tweak it fairly heavily. In the, I mean, that's confirmed. Capcom is going to, they, they never bring the same exact right. system to a new game. You right. Know? So we know that's coming, but yes, I, but I, they, I agree. It's mm -hmm. Yeah, they might further tweak V-Triggers in this next uh, uh, balance patch, and, and I sure hope they do. Or they yeah. the other big thing is like make V-Reversals super worth doing. So therefore you don't, you know, you, you choose, am I going to have a V-Trigger or am I going to get my defensive options? And I think that kills two birds with one stone. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so so that was one of the things that I was able to more detailedly um, highlight and like that was fun and it doesn't seem to be in five as much. And uh, and yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely going to be strengths of like Street Fighter three and Street Fighter two that are better than, you know, the games that followed after it. Right. There's there's no question of that. But overall, is it a better game? You know, and, and that's what you guys are trying to answer here. Uh, how much is nostalgia and how much is like, oh, wow, there's some major flaws here. Uh, I know one of the things that Dream King mentioned was like chip damage, being able yep. to, to chip like, kills. lose. Yeah. And uh, you want to elaborate on that? I mean, that's one of the the easiest notes of Street Fighter V. It's like, keep this chip kill sort of philosophy going. We don't want to be able to kill with anything, except for maybe spending critical art, because that's a cool and, and, and an intentional decision that you have to make. It's like, I'm going to spend all this meter to, to finish it out that's nice like that's that that figures into the competitive puzzle there very nicely and uh you know when i would play driftwood at the very beginning of our street fighter 4 
um, uh, matches, he was sort of into jujitsu at the time. He didn't do it, but he was like looking into it and he's watching Red Belt, this uh, cool jujitsu movie and stuff. And he was talking about honor all the time. And if you killed someone with a, like you knocked them down and you could chip them out with a fireball. So you just timed a meaty fireball on their wake up and they died. We would always say, you're not being very jujitsu right now. Like it's not very honorable. <laughs> and just, and, and we had no conception of, of what fighting games were at that time compared to where we're at now. Right. And we even then knew it's like, dang, that's, that's some, that's pretty weak, man. Like, that's not fun. Like, what are we doing here? And so that's yeah. one of the things that Street Fighter V did really well is, is to adopt this um, approach. And there's plenty more. Uh, and those details will come out. And we're not, but I want to correct something. We're not trying to say which game is better. We're trying to find the things and the, the, the threads in each game that were better and, and than the other one and find that medium porridge for going into Street Fighter 6. Like, take the best from this and the best from that. And that should extend out to all of the Street Fighters, and, and I'm sure it will, but we jumped in competitively with 4. It's the one that we know the best, and then of course Street Fighter 5, probably even better at this point because um, we've been studying it with, with more of an intent this whole time. But that's kind of what our project is right now. And, you know, developers are going to do that naturally. And I think a lot of what was good in 2 and what was good in 3 and Alpha has been baked in. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff that wasn't, was obviously not good, still permeates and still gets through later. And to that I go, come on, that's, that's just shoddy work. But... I mean, okay, well, no, no, no. Name, name some stuff that you think that should not be there, that, that was there and proved to be shoddy previously. I just remember uh, highlighting things in the past, and I don't have the examples on the top of my head right now, so so I don't know. But uh, there, okay. there's definitely that. I, I know I've said that before. And yes, uh, don't take my word for it. Get a hard example before you just take that forward. I, I know, true for myself, that that's I've seen that kind of stuff before. A lot of the issues with Street Fighter V um, earlier on were, were like, you know, we learned this kind of lesson in Street Fighter Four. Why is it still? here all right so i know you have some recommendations like hit us up raptor oh, recommends have, what you yes. got i'll totally make this look cool okay so uh one raptor's recommendation we're getting close to halloween uh just like in the same uh theme as last week it's another film these won't always be films but hey i'm from film school and uh watched uh, the other night with Brittany and her friend amy who are visiting this movie called uh, the invisible man and it's a 2020 invisible man so it's definitely updated for modern times hot damn this is a movie that you can tell that the that the creators were so good at putting themselves in the point of view of the audience and making an experience for the movie going viewer to appreciate and be interested in won't do any spoilers or anything like that. I'm just saying, first of all, you should go see this movie. It's not super jump scary, which I really appreciate. I, and by the way, I'm not like a horror movie buff or anything like that. I don't traditionally see a lot of horror movies. I know I've talked to you guys twice now about horror movies, but this was extremely well done. Yes, it involves an invisible man. And the whole theme of, of the film is the concept of control and manipulation. And naturally where that goes is that, you know, if, if you don't even know if the threat is there or if it's not, then you're constantly on guard from it. And that's just so incredibly stressful and manipulating. And you get to see this journey of this character, the, the, the main character. She goes through this pretty crazy one of those, like, nobody believes me, but there's this invisible man chasing me. And, and some of the really cool things that they do is that they, like I said, they have the audience in mind. And naturally, when you have this invisible being that may or may not be there, you find yourself constantly looking around the frame 
you know, mm. not just at what, you know, the characters talking in the, fr- like, that are focused and centered where you're supposed to look. You're looking everywhere else to see if there's any evidence of this dude there in the moment. And sure enough, sometimes there is. And there's this one moment, again, no spoilers, but I can talk about the significance of it here, where we were watching it and the main character's doing something, and then she leaves the frame completely, but the camera just holds there on this steady shot of seemingly an innocuous situation. And then the character eventually comes back into the frame and and just carries on with what she was doing. And Brittany and I didn't see the thing that happened, but Amy did. And Amy realized, Amy started to like kind of, uh, she, she pulled her feet up onto the couch and was sort of like troubled by it. And she's like, oh man. And we're both like, oh man, what? We didn't, we didn't, we didn't catch this. Uh, and now this particular thing, it, it's, it's obvious, but maybe, maybe 30% are not going to see it when it happens. And that's very interesting in and of itself, because whether you see it or not, very much shapes how you're perceiving like the 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 incoming events right or the the next couple of things that happen here you're like oh crap or you're like uh whatever it's just you know it's tuesday who cares and so we actually went back and watched it and then Brittany and i saw the thing and like it was like oh my gosh this just changed the calculus amazingly and then from there on out like i said i was just watching everywhere else to see if there were any hints but they do they they set you up so beautifully well to feel these feelings and to have these anxieties and everything is very well earned the story goes to some extremes no no spoilers i'm not gonna say what it is i'm just gonna say uh this is just my like my my emotional reaction or, or gut feelings to it it goes to some crazy places but it it justifies going there and it ties everything in a bow that's that's within this world very much believable and through and through it's a very very fun ride even if you're not a huge fan of horror this is something worth checking out very well made an exciting ride for all go see it the invisible man 2020 do it all right elizabeth moss is a great actress too i watched her a lot in Mad Men. phenomenal actress so i'm, I'm looking forward to watching this one here in the future mm-hmm. all right y'all that's gonna wrap us up for this week of the event hubs podcast once again thank you all so much for listening and we will be back with you soon adios